Hi, I'm Leo. Hi, Leo. I'm a new dad. I uh, found myself window shopping this week for Fanny Pack. My car smells like McDonald's all the time. I'm turning into a real life tickle monster. I can't get these bad jokes out of my head. Like, why do melons have big weddings? Because they Why do we know that? Oh, it's okay. It's okay. We should be proud to be dads. Oh, so why don't we say the, the paternity prayer? God, grant me serenity as I hide in the bathroom where my family can't find me. Courage to change every terrifying diaper and the wisdom to know when to belch and when not to. Yes! So let's get out there. Be those fort-building, tea-party-attending, tape-wearing, homework-helping, spider-killing, dependable dads that those kids need. <laughs> Guess that's my cue. <laughs> Good morning. Let's all stand together as our campuses have joined with us over in the Fox Valley and Stevens Point, those at home. Undoubtedly, dads everywhere, camping, <laughs> watching us online right now. And let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us, and happy Father's Day to all y'all. Is my phone there somewhere? I just had it. Thank you. Give the pretty lady a hand. <laughs> Uh, because we're uh, pausing to take our offering, reminding people that they can give. If you have cash or checks on the way out of your campus this morning, there'll be people at the doors you can place uh, in the buckets. Uh, many people give online, recurrent giving. And then those of you who use your phones to give, as do I, uh, you can use our Celebration Church app. And uh, you just go to it and push the little button at the bottom that says give. Pick your campus and then type in... The dollar amount. Do, 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 da, da. There. And we appreciate your faithfulness. The church has been doing very well financially, better than ever. Uh, and it's really been amazing. He wants to see my security code. 
It's something fancy I do. There. I gave. Praise the Lord. All right. So uh, use your phones, go online, whatever, cash check, whatever, and uh, continue to uh, support the church so we can advance the kingdom of God. Amen. So today is Father's Day. Today's my Father's Day sermon is uh, found in 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter. And uh, this is the very classic story of David and Goliath, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Uh, Starting at 17, verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Socha in Judah. And they pitched camp at Ephes Damin between Socha and Ezekah, just south of Madison. And uh, Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the Valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. So they're going to war. This was a very common thing. They're always uh, battling each other. And this is, what, 4,000 years ago, pretty, pretty violent world at the time. Uh, the Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites the other. And there's this valley between them. Well, there's this champion named Goliath who was from Gath. He came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. Now, this irritates me. They can take ancient Hebrew, put it in a plain everyday English, but they can't translate these weights and measures. So I will do it for you. Six cubits and a span, as we all know, is nine feet, nine inches tall. He's a big old boy. All right. He had a bronze helmet on his head, uh, which you can imagine, these things are heavy. And he wore a coat of scale armor of bronze, like this male thing, uh, and that weighed 125 pounds. That's a lot. Now, Tayton's getting ready to go into the Coast Guard, and he's training, so he's, and he wears this thing with weights on it to go running, and it's just 20 pounds. And it's amazing how heavy that thing is. This big old boy, 125 pounds around his chest. On his uh, legs, he wore bronze greaves. This is, you all know bronze, right? This isn't aluminum. This stuff's heavy. Uh, he has a bronze javelin that was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, very long, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels, which is 15 pounds, just the tip of it. And his shield bearer went ahead of him. His shield bearer, this has got to be the worst job on earth. This guy has all this heavy stuff. This guy's job is to carry this. I don't know how big he had to be. He'd be pretty strong himself. Anyway, so Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? Saul was the king of Israel at the time. Choose a man. Have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. We see these things still playing out in movies today. Battle lines say, oh, you know, I'll fight your guy and whoever wins, you know, will decide why, why do we all have to battle. Uh, so uh, then the Philistines say, said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man. Let's fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. He's nine, over nine feet tall 
with all this heavy stuff. He's been a warrior from his youth. They all knew about this guy. He's this champion. Hard to ignore a guy of this size. And they were a little freaked out. Now, David was the son of an Ephraimite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judea. Uh, Jesse had eight sons. And in Saul's time, Jesse was very old. Now, Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to war. The first was Eliab, the second Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. So David's the runt of the litter, and his job is to watch the sheep. So you got the Israelites on one hill. You got the Philistines on the other This guy's coming out, taunting him back and forth. And in verse 16, it says, For 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and every evening and took his stand. So for 40 days, everybody would line up. They'd all stare at each other and then break for lunch. (laughs) Next day, they'd do it again and do it again. Day after day. For 40, that's a long time to be looking at, because this is an intense situation. This is not just everyday life. This is a battle that's about to happen, and this thing is being drug out. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you feel things are being drug out. You ever feel stuck? Stuck in life? It can be overwhelming, and we all know as we go through different seasons of life, it can seem overwhelming. But the good news this morning is whatever season in your life, just keep this in mind. Things are going to change. Things always change. Don't lose heart. Don't give up with God on your side. They can change even faster and for the better. But don't let the seasons of life suck the life out of you. Somebody said amen. Amen. My lovely wife, my assistant this morning, uh, recently wrote about this on her Facebook. She had this post. She said, you know, uh, for years, uh, her house used to be a mess. But she says, now I look around and I see an immaculate house. Everything in its proper place. The difference? No kids. (laughs) No mind-controlling, soul-sucking, irritating, ear-piercing, piercing, adorable, I wouldn't give them up for the world, little urchins. And her whole message was, be filled with hope. Things change. And they change faster than you can even imagine. Those of us older now, know how fast life can go. Uh, And it's good sometimes to stop and reflect on it. Think about how fast the last 20 years of your life went. And the next 20. And uh, you don't get all that many of those things. Life goes by very, very fast. But when you're in the repetitive cycle of everyday life, you can feel like you're stuck and nothing is moving and things aren't going the way that you want them to go, and it can feel overwhelming. That's why a lot of people, they bail on life, and they bail and give up on their responsibilities and stuff. But a real man does not give up on his responsibilities. Somebody say amen. Amen. You suck it up, buttercup. All right? The good news, life is going to change. That job you think you're never going to get, things are going to change. No matter the struggles of life, it takes time, but build your life and be filled with hope and live in faith as people of faith. We serve a God who is on your side. 
Back to our story. Now, Jesse, this is Pops, says to his son, David, take this ephah, which is 36 pounds of roasted grain and uh, these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. So he's basically saying, here, here's a bunch of food. Go, go, take this. Take your brother's lunch. So, uh, uh, and then take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of their unit. So he's sucking up to the boss, <laughs> you know, be real nice. Watch out for my boys, right? Uh, see how your brothers are doing and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the Valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. Well, they're actually just staring at each other. <laughs> Nobody's doing any fighting right now. But early in the morning, verse 20, uh, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. It's amazing. They're still shouting 40 days later. Whee! Let's go! And uh, Israel and the Philistines uh, were drawing up their lines, facing each other, as they'd been doing now for 40 days. <clears throat> David left his things with the keeper of supplies, and he ran to the battle lines. I mean, nothing's more curious to a young boy than battle, right? You got all this, they're going to war, this is intense stuff, let's see what's going on. So he rushes over to the battle lines, and then he asks his brothers, guys, how's it going? And as he's talking with them, this massive guy, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. Uh, and whenever the Israelites saw them, they all fled from him in great fear. This is not, this is a little embarrassing. Things are not going well for the Israelites. Now, the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage. So they get the girl, the money and the girl, and will exempt his family from taxes. Praise the Lord. Now, this is the part of the story that you don't hear about in the children's versions. Okay? There's, it's said that his only motivation, David's only motivation was to fight for the Lord. And it was definitely there, without a doubt. And he had great confidence in God. But there was other external <laughs> motivations. He hears, whoever kills this wrestler is going to get all this money, you get the babe, and no more taxes. And this gets David's attention. Uh, so David, after hearing this, he asks the men standing near him, can you run that by me again? What will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And they said, well, you get the money, you get the babe, and no more taxes. Now, when Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger in him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You only came down to watch the battle. As anyone with brothers knows, this is how we talk to each other. And the ultimate response of any brother to another brother, what did I do? Can I even talk? 
And then what's he do? He turns away to someone else and brought up the same matter. Now let me get this straight. This is the third time. What does the guy get who pulls this off? He gets the money. He gets the girl. And no more taxes. He is highly motivated. What's the point here? There are real benefits to doing life God's way. And God's blessings are real and tangible. And one of the reasons we gather and we minister the gospel to people and encourage each other so that we can learn how we can access the blessings of God and walk in his blessings. And they are real, as I just said, very tangible. They are life-changing. They are empowering. And the more you walk in it, the greater your life will be. Now, it doesn't happen overnight, but it's very, very real. Everything, even from what just we were talking about our offering. Jesus says, give and it will be given to you, pressed down, shaken together and running over. That's a pretty good return. Why do we give so we can be blessed? Why do we honor God? Because we want to walk in God's blessings. Now, this is where people kind of stumble and they don't quite get. This isn't about earning God's love. God loves you already. Why? I have no idea. But he does. You don't earn it. You can't buy your way into this. But once we come by faith and we ask Christ to come into our lives, uh, the Spirit of God fills us. We are born again and we are now serving God, walking in faith. But now there are some real blessings and we want to walk in these blessings. And it's one of the reasons we want to honor God. Two, I mean, one, you just want to honor God for being grateful for what he's done in your life. But the other very real part of it is the blessings of God. You cannot escape this. I mean, I've, I've heard people, they have this very idealistic, and there's some people by nature who are just super idealistic. Uh, they can be great people, but a lot of times their idealism just sucks the life out of them and everybody around them because nothing's ever perfect the way that they think things should be. And I've heard of parents who've bought into this ideolo- ideology, I don't know if you've heard this, that you should never reward a child. Never give a child. Have you, anybody heard this? You should never reward a child. You should just, they should just do it because. And you should never, because that's just, that's the purest thing. But it's purest, goofy idealism that God doesn't even do that. I mean, he gives us some serious motivations, right? Starting with heaven and hell. There's a motivator for you. Give and it will be given for you. Jesus, if, if Jesus thought like these people, Jesus would have said, just give, because I said so. It's a, even in the beginning, when Moses was talking to the children of Israel, he says, I said before you today, life and death, if you do this right. And he goes on through this whole list of stuff. I could have read the whole list, but it's Father's Day. You know, there's one thing a man wants is a short sermon. So uh, he, he would have given a long list of things about all the blessings that he, they would have, and then a long list of all the butt kicking they were going to run into if they didn't do it right. All right? And then he had to encourage him. Choose life. Man, I'd kind of automatically choose it. <laughs> Give me that list. I want the good list. And they had to, hmm, do I want the good list or the bad list? They had to think it through. Why do we avoid sin in our lives? Well, one of the reasons is we want to have God's blessings in our lives. We don't want to cut off the blessings of God in our lives. Why do we want to do the right things? Why do we want to love people? 
Why do we want to forgive people? Some of these things are hard to do. Forgiving people would be easier if it weren't for people. And it can be really hard and people can get on your nerves. (laughs) And they can cut you off in traffic and give you the I'm number one sign. You know, I get my fair share of those. I think I'm a terrible driver, actually. I I really am. I can tell by the expressions of the people go screaming by me. (laughs) Preferably, I'm not paying attention to something. Why do we not go down dark paths? One of the motivators, one of them, is to have God's blessings in our lives, just like David. I mean, David wants to honor God. He wants to support the name of God, and this guy's insulting God, and and he wants to go fight, but he's also motivated by wanting a better life, being more blessed. You do, I'm telling you, if you will do this Christian life right, you will be happier, you will be healthier, you will be wealthier, and you will live longer. That's what the Bible says. I want all of the above. Amen. That's why we avoid the why, why don't you do some bad? Because, you know, again, it's not about trying to earn God's blessings. We already ha- I mean, earn God's forgiveness. We've already got that. But we want God's blessings in our lives. And when you, as a Christian, I'm talking to Christians now, as a Christian, you intentionally keep doing things you shouldn't be doing. It's going to limit the blessings of God in your life. Why should you not be looking at those things on your computer screens? I don't want to limit God's blessings in my life. See, the problem is we think it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm going to go to church on Sunday. We'll all pray for forgiveness. It doesn't. You don't understand. You do this stuff. And the blessings of God can stop flowing to you. Now, maybe you don't care. Maybe your life is so successful, everything you do just automatically works. You don't have to hardly do anything, and everything goes your way. That's awesome. I don't have that. (laughs) I need God. How many of y'all need God's blessings in your life? Yeah. Favor. You want things to go your way. I want to go, and there's, I get the front parking spot. Praise the Lord. Call the blessings of the Lord. We always praise God for stuff like that. Ooh, praise the Lord. Sitting in the front row. Why do we avoid getting drunk? Now, we're not one of these churches that thinks, you know, you can't drink any alcohol or something. Drink away, enjoy yourself. But don't be getting hammered out of your ever-loving mind, tripping all over each other. Not that I've noticed any of that. Does God hate you? And you no, know, but you're, you do stuff that he blatantly says, don't do. And I'm telling you, it's going to limit his blessings in your life. That's the kind of stuff where you start going, no, I'm not, I'm not I've had enough. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to look at this stuff. I'm not going to scream and curse and everything because it starts limiting God's blessings in your life. Why do we avoid doing wrong? Because we want God to bless us. David is highly motivated. He wants the money. He wants the girl. (laughs) He doesn't want any taxes. And this is all part of it. And three times that we're recorded here, he hears this motivation. So David says to King Saul, verse 32, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. I'll do it. I'll do it. 
And Saul, the king, replied to him, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he's been a warrior from his youth. Here we see now the two cries of the naysayers of all time. Number one cry, you can't do it. You can't do it. You're not smart enough. You're not good looking enough. Half your family are psychotic. you, You can't do it. You don't have enough education. You don't have enough money. You can't succeed in life. Oh, the naysayers are quick to line up for that. And I'm telling you, you can do it. Even when everything says you can't. I mean, I'm a testimony to this. I'm known all over the world as a relationship speaker. I have never had any formal education on relationships at all. I'm the most underqualified man in the history of mankind to do what I do. And I remember when I was first doing it, the educated people of our field, the relationship field, was mortified by me. And I would hear people, so they were talking about you. What they say? He doesn't even have a degree. <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's universities all over the world to this day, when they teach on relationships, play my DVD clips in their classes. I think it's hilarious. I remember once getting called by Harvard University Radio. So we'd like to interview you about your thoughts on the men and women's brains. I said, you know I don't really know anything about brains, right? <laughs> she goes, I know, but it's so funny. <laughs> you, know. you can't do it. No way you can make it happen in your life. The second cry of the naysayer is, well, if you do do it, you have to do it our way. We read about this where Paul took Saul, verse 38, and dressed David in his own tunic, and he put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head, and David fastened his sword over the tunic and tried to walk around with this bronze thing on his head. And this, you know, if you're going to do it, you've got to do it our way. You've got to do it the pre-approved way. You can't just do it your own way. So either you can't do it, or at least you've got to do it our way, which pretty much guarantees you can't do it. <laughs> David said, I, I, I can't go on this stuff. I'm not used to it, so he took them off. And then in verse 40, then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones. See, now, he's doing it. He's not doing it the pre-approved way, but he has a plan. He's not just going out there willy-nilly. His plan is, I'm pretty good with a sling, <laughs> a slingshot. So he gets five smooth stones. What does that mean? Well, first one might miss. <laughs> Second one might miss. I mean, he's got some backup plans. I got five shots at this guy. He put him in the pouch of a shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, he approached a Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his poor shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. I don't know how good his eyesight was, but he sees somebody there. So, you know, they're they're not close. They're far apart. And uh, he's coming closer, and he looked David over and saw that he was a little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and and he despised him. And he said to David, am I a dog? I would say yes. (laughs) That you come to me with sticks 
and the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. And David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. He's stalking smack. <laughs> this very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. The whole world will know there's a God in heaven, in Israel. All those who gathered here will know that not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you, he will give all of you into our hands. <laughs> the Philistine starts moving in. He's a big dude wearing a ton of stuff. And, and he, uh, um, oops, my computer just went weird. <laughs> Where was I? Oh, the Philistine moved closer to attack him. Well, then David ran quickly to the battle line. He runs to him. Who does that? <laughs> this kid, he's, this boy has cojones of steel. Seriously, the whole time he's running, it's clackety, 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 clackety. That's all you can hear. Who does this? A big guy's moving, and he goes running to meet this guy. And he's reaching into his bag. He took out a stone. Remember, he's got four more. Takes his first shot. He slugs it. Whap! Smacks the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. But notice, David followed through. Sometimes we fail as men in life as we don't follow through. We have our momentary victories and something. Well, that's it. No, that's not it. It's never it. It's always going to be something. Don't get discouraged. There's always a challenge in front of you. Life is always full. Deanna, we're coming in this morning. We drove down from the big city of Krivitz. And uh, we, we said, man, what a great, because the weather's been amazing. Right? It's the best spring ever in Wisconsin. This is like gonna suck when it goes back to normal, is all I got to say. And uh, we're just, this has been great, and life has been so great, and it's been wonderful. And we thought, oh no, <laughs> what's coming next? What? You know, there's always something. Don't lose heart, but you gotta follow through. Because all David did is knock him out. He's not dead yet. He falls on the ground, says, woo, the guy comes, <laughs> sits up, is gonna kill him. So David ran and stood over him, and he took hold of the Philistine sword, drew it from the sheath, and he, and he kills the guy. <laughs> and then, after he killed him, he cut off his head. <laughs> A little overkill at this point, but this is what he does. Now, when the Philistine, now you have to imagine what's going on here. The Philistines saw their hero was dead. I mean, this is, shock, this is shocking to everybody. Everybody on the Israeli side is thinking, this kid is going to die. May the Lord bless him as he moves into eternity. Nobody had confidence. Saul, <laughs> this is not going to go on. Why would Saul even say, send him? It's been 40 days. There's a standoff. Something has to give. And we got to feed this kid. Maybe, you know, it'll inspire someone to start actually going into action. Everybody thought he was dead. The Philistines all thought he was dead. And they're what? And then all of a sudden, they probably, what's going on? What, why did he fall down? <laughs> Who 
knows if he even saw him at the slate. I mean, this, this, this is like being a Detroit Lions fan. And you are seconds away from finally beating the Green Bay Packers. And Aaron Rodgers pulls back and he throws a ball into the stratosphere. There's no way. And the guy, Packer in the end zone, catches the ball. And all the Packers are like, what? (laughs) And all those poor fans were like, And of course, all the Packer fans go insane. And these poor Lions are devastated and shocked. This has to be, what happened? He killed this guy and he's holding up his head. And the Philistines all went, ah! He took off running. And all the Israelites go, ah! Let's go get him. And, And they ran after him. Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and the gates of Ekron. And their dead were strewn along the road to Gath and Ekron. Nothing says Father's Day is like bad guys being killed. <laughs> and then the Israelites returned chasing the Philistines and they plundered the camp. Well, Saul, King Saul, I mean, he sees all this happening. And he says to Abner, which is his famous general, he goes, Abner, who is this guy? <laughs> I mean, what a shock! What a shock went through everybody's system. And Abner says, as surely as you live, your majesty, I do not know. And the king said, well, find out whose son this young man is. And as soon as David returned from killing the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul. And here's the kicker. David is still holding the Philistine's head. I won! You see my head? You know, he's still hanging. He wasn't going to let go. Oh, my word. Sometimes, sometimes you just got to keep holding on. Someone say amen. amen. Man, don't give He fought for that head. He risked his life for that head. You can't have my head. <laughs> it's my head. I know this is really gross, but that's what he did. But sometimes, even as men, we got to remember, man, you have worked for stuff. You fought for stuff. Don't give up. Don't give up. So many guys today, you know, they give up on their marriages. They give up on their jobs. They give up on everything. They just surrender. Don't be like that. Hang on to what you've got. Amen. 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 All those mighty amens. And Saul finally says, who are you? (laughs) Whose son are you, young man? And David, holding the head, says, I'm the son of your servant, Jesse of Bethlehem. Wow. And of course, it's just the beginning. David eventually goes on and becomes the great king of Israel. And even Jesus was celebrated when he came uh, much later. And they celebrated him as the son of David. Behold the son of David. They celebrated the son because they knew his lineage. Jesus came from the line of David, the great king. Oh, man. Oh, I enjoyed that. I even got tears in my eyes. I was just having fun. I'm not sad. That was fun. Oh, here I thought I'd do a short sermon. That's my normal time anyway. All right. Let's wrap. <laughs> Sorry, boys. Let's wrap this thing up. We're going to go into our time of communion this morning as our ushers and usherettes, if that's what we call them, uh, come forward and uh, get ready to serve us. Uh, 
Now, the Bible encourages us when we do this, we're doing this in remembrance of what Jesus did on the cross for us. His body was broken so we could be made whole. His blood was shed so we could have the forgiveness of sins. But Paul later wrote, he said, when you take communion, examine yourself, reset, make sure you're doing this in a good way before the Lord. And our custom is before we take communion together, we just pray a a prayer uh, of forgiveness. And as I was talking about some of these things we do that are not good, if you've been involved in stuff like that, man, let's get a reset today. But then let's start walking victoriously so we can start experiencing all that God has for us. But let's bow our heads as I pray a word of prayer of forgiveness for everyone. Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning, and in obedience to the scriptures, we pause now to examine ourselves. If we've sinned against you in any way, something we said, something we did, something maybe we didn't do that we should have done, whatever it is, Lord, we ask you to forgive us for the sake of your beloved son, Jesus, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins. Maybe you're here this morning and uh, you're thinking, man, I've I've never experienced any of this kind of stuff. Well, you can experience Jesus' forgiveness in your life right now. All you have to do is ask him to come into your life. While everybody's praying, just say, Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. And he can set everything right. You can start walking your first steps of faith this morning. Amen.